It is Texas Money and Business. So good to have you right here. Always exciting to have Doug Parker and Ambitious Radio Network underway. And Doug, it's good to see you, sir. Let's get underway. How you doing? Man, I'm doing fantastic. And it's great to see you again as well, Ron. Thank Today, you. you know, we're real excited about the show. It's hard to believe we're already on uh, episode number nine. And, you know, as, as you know, we'll be talking about business, entrepreneurship, finance, interesting people, things along those lines. And, you know, we couldn't do any of this without our sponsors. We've got freeelectricitydfw.com. We've got repairmycreditnow.com. And we've also got all three reports.com. That's all the number three reports with an S.com. Hmm. And, you know, we're going to go over success principles, things that you know, whether it's in a nonprofit organization, whether it's in a for-profit, entrepreneurs, big business, small business, all of these principles, you know, absolutely will apply. And today we've got a very uh, exciting guest on the uh, on the show. We've got Mark Winters. Mark is a, a trainer, entrepreneur, a published author, and we're going to be talking about just some of the things over the years that he's experienced. And I've, I've read uh, a couple of his books. He's got some great, great information he's going to share with us today. And, and remember, guys, if, if you want to uh, tune in online. You've got ambitiousradio.com. We've also got a new podcast we just released this week, as well as uh, you can like us on Facebook, the Ambitious Radio Network. So enough kind of self-promotion there. Mark, let's jump into kind of what you've got going on. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks, Doug. It's great to be on with you guys today. Uh, you know, my story uh, started many, many moons ago, and uh, it's really a serial entrepreneur. So at last count, there's been 10 different companies that I've either started up, bought, shut down, or sold, had some sort of an experience with. And and really, part of my experience along that path was that the the entrepreneurial freedom that I, that I reached for when I took the leap, I'd kind of find myself in a spot where, you know, it seemed like I was... Uh, put myself in the worst hourly job I could have ever imagined rather than having this wonderful financial freedom or freedom of time that I was hoping for. And so a lot of my journey has been around helping entrepreneurs address that and helping them get unstuck, helping them go on and make that business do what it is that they wanted it to do in the first place. So that's led me on a, a lifelong quest to understand the systems and processes and, and combinations of people that are required to make that happen. You know, it's interesting. You, you use the term serial entrepreneur, and I'm, I'm hearing that more and more. And that's that's how I would define myself as well. I've started lots of businesses, and different. You know, some of them get further down the tracks than others. Others, you know, you just you get going. You say this isn't this isn't worth it, or or you kind of unwind them, whatever the case may be. But let's talk a little bit about the businesses. Are they all similar industries, similar verticals, or is it something where uh, they're all over the place? I mean, it has literally been all over the place. So I've been in everything from a, a parasailing company to companies that manufactured uh, uh, sports equipment to companies that provided high-end analytics uh, for making decisions about retail and restaurant and kind of everything in between. So it's really all over the map. And what I've found is while all of the industries are very different, a lot of the business principles involved are very much the same. So at the end of the day, the entrepreneur is still wrestling with a lot of the same puzzles in the process. So through that, I'm sure you've learned many, many things. Did you find that, you know, I know you're doing some different things and we're going to talk about EOS and traction and of course your book, Rocket Fuel. But with those things being said, have you found that the, the industries or the verticals that you want to be in are things that have kind of a similar industry or are you or do you like the diversity 
I really like the diversity. I mean, I think it's it's interesting. And if I look at the, the clients that I'm working with directly right now, they're all over the board too. So everything from somebody that's involved in the trash business to somebody that's putting uh, uh, technology into somebody's brain and, and everything in between. So uh, like I say, I like the, the, the new ideas, the new developments and ever-changing landscape of the diversity of industries. And at the end of the day, the puzzles are very, very similar, very much the same. So, so let's talk about that. You, you, I've heard you say a few times, you know, the businesses or, or a lot of the things are the same. Now, I'm going to assume you may be talking about things that are issues or things that are problematic, maybe. So are, are there some similar scenarios where you go into a business, you start looking at it and you realize, you know what, I've seen this a hundred times and, you know, he, here are some of the, the struggles? Absolutely. And, and I think if you, if you imagine the, the growth curve of a business as it starts from, you know, a speck of dust and, and grows to whatever it ends up being along the path, there are these, there are these cliffs that it has to sort of climb. And once it gets up over that cliff, uh, you know, it, it takes off again and then it sort of has to climb another cliff. And one of the early ones, you know, if a company makes it to that million or $2 million size and they start to have five or 10 folks in the organization, they start to wrestle with this idea of, wow, I can't do it all myself anymore. Uh, how are we organizing this thing? Uh, do we need to have some form of a leadership team? And, and if you have a leadership team, how are we going to do that? How are we going to afford that? How are we going to work together? How are we going to get our, our return on the extra investment we're going to make in that? How am I going to be able to let go of stuff uh, and trust someone else to handle it and take care of it the way that I would? So, you know, those are all the same. It doesn't really matter what industry you're in. That's just a real natural part of the progression an entrepreneurial business is going to go through. Sure. So through your businesses, uh, you know, as you were maturing and, and doing those kind of things, did, let, let's use one of your first businesses. Did you see that? What was the first business that you would say that you actually started? It was your business and, and you got going with? Uh, the first business that I would say had any, any kind of meat to it was a, a, a cyber cafe in uh, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So this was in the mid to early 90s. Now think about this. Mid to early 90s, uh, the internet was just something people were starting to talk about. I landed on this idea of a cyber cafe as a combination of technology with the, the Starbucks phenomenon that was starting to take off. And this is how early that was in the Starbucks progression. I called Starbucks to talk about putting Starbucks in Milwaukee, and they said, yeah, you know, we're not even really worried about coming to Milwaukee anytime soon. Really? So yeah, so they were still looking at you know New York and San Francisco and, and just the big big city Chicago, uh, so you know we kind of brought that stuff together. So I got to get all the early bumps and bruises for how you put together a business plan and uh, go raise money in the marketplace and deal with real estate and and kind of figure all this stuff out and built the first full scale cyber cafe in the central United States in the process, uh, running that thing purely by the seat of my pants on nothing but instinct and, and just kind of, you know, trying to figure it out as I went and a lot of hard work, a uh, lot of mistakes, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of, you know, missed turns and, uh, you know, a lot of things that in the end came back to, to bite me on that one, uh, whole different world than later on in life when, uh, you know, I began to use more of a systematic approach to how we would run a business. Right. Absolutely. So now did you just do that one location in Milwaukee or? 
Yeah, we ended up we ended up doing just the one. The idea going in was that we were going to prototype and expand either directly or via franchise, uh, and you know, sort of classic investor, you know, oops, where uh, we ended up with a with an investor dispute among thirteen. Never have thirteen investors in a deal. That's just a bad number to have, right? <laughs> yeah. And so it was. I should write a book about the thirteenth investor. Uh, you know, that was that was the one that uh, that caused the issue that frankly became impassable. So we ended up doing what I, I think probably had to be one of the first internet auctions to, uh, to to liquidate that thing when we shut it down. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, you know that's always a a tough situation to go through when you've got a business and you know it's it's kind of your baby. You're going through it, and you know you you're making progress. You're, you've got the vision. You've casted it. There's success. And then at some point when you start seeing either, you know, the market turning down or, or something changing, um, it, it can be really frustrating to say, hey, look, we've got to unwind this deal or shut it down or auction it off. And, you know, can, can you give us maybe just a quick, you know, 60 seconds on, you know, what was the kind of straw that broke the camel's back that made you decide, hey, you know what, it's time to move on and do something else? Yeah, I mean, it, it was purely in that case an investor uh, impasse. So uh, in, in putting the deal together and the structure of the LLC, I agreed to some negative control covenants, not knowing really what negative control meant. So I thought, gee, if, as long as I can say yes to whatever I want to say yes to, uh, we're good. And nobody else can tell me what to do. We're good. Uh, not realizing that negative control meant that somebody else had to also say, OK, before we could do X, Y or Z. And we basically undercapitalized, you know, uh, I'm sure I'm the only one that's ever done that on their first business. <laughs> and uh, although all the indicators were extremely strong, uh, wonderful growth trajectory, wonderful, really profit margins uh, and, and tons of publicity, tons of attention, tons of uptake uh, by the market, uh, we ran out of cash. And looking at the avenues for how we could put more cash into the entity, uh, we had people that wanted to invest. We had people that wanted to loan us money. But at the end of the day, this 13th investor had to say, okay. And for whatever reason, and this will be one of the great mysteries of my life, uh, he was unwilling to do so and sort of left us at an impasse where we had no legal way to inject more capital into the business. So I tried a couple of different gyrations uh, to get around that. And, and basically, it was just, just going to end up being a big legal mess. And so we we decided to to cut our losses and and move on and uh, you know kind of restart and go a different direction. So that's what we ended up doing. So it was really purely a legal, uh, you know, did the deal wrong kind of a situation. Gotcha. Well, that can definitely happen with entrepreneurs. You know, the big business they've got all the attorneys on staff and all that kind of stuff. When you're an entrepreneur, you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants, and it's no amazing. It's amazing how how so many of these companies just kind of come out of the woodworks and by God's grace and a little bit of ingenuity and hard work, it all comes together. But uh, with that being said, uh, after the break, we're going to talk a little bit about a book called Traction that I know you're a big fan of. And, and we're going to talk about EOS and, and how entrepreneurs can use that really to develop a company and you know start off on the, uh, on the right foot no matter where they're at. So tune in right after this break and uh, right here on KBCE 1160 AM.
Back here on Texas Money and Business, Ron Taylor with you, Doug Parker, Ambitious Radio Network. You know, Doug, the only serial uh, entrepreneur that I, I ever know is something that involves, uh, uh, you know, frosted flakes. And so I, I know you're talking about something <laughs> different, but that's just me. So back to you. Yeah, frosted fr- frosted flakes, fruity pebbles. You, you know, got it. Cereal entrepreneur. <laughs> now I, I got you there. Well, you know, today we've got Mark Winters on on the show, and you know, Mark, we were just talking in the last segment about a, a cyber cafe that you started back in the 90s. And, you know, I am sure that if you had read the book Traction and you knew the things now or knew, knew the things then that you know now, you might would have done one or two things differently. But let's talk a little bit about that book and then some of the things that, you know, you've implemented. And it sounds like, you know, from, from uh, the conversations we've had and, and what I've read about you, that you've actually kind of made a business out of implementing some of the stuff from this book. Yeah, so so you know, kind of building on the story that we shared in the in the last segment, you know, fast forward a decade or so, and and you know, the business that I was doing at that point, I was obviously approaching in a much different fashion, and and using really what we would call an operating system uh, to run it, and and being sure that I was working on all the the critical elements of the system, really the key components that are required to make it great, and get everybody on the same page, pointing in the same direction. Uh, you know, great accountability and communication throughout the organization. So, whole different outcome. Uh, you know, when you when you fast forward to, to how, how I did, did things. Uh, you know, in the last decade, the, uh, the the book traction you mentioned. Let's touch on that just a little bit because you know that really is the uh, it, it's the textbook for a system called EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And EOS was invented by a guy named Gino Wickman. Who was, uh, you know, he was another entrepreneur up in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, went in, took over a family business that was, uh, you know, facing its own challenges. And in the process of of figuring it all out and turning that thing around, he basically fell in love with the science of how do you make an entrepreneurial company work? How do you make it do what you want it to do? And you know, Gino has a real knack for. Uh, simplifying things. He has a real knack for, you know, pulling together a, a bunch of uh, uh, concepts that may may not obviously be related. Uh, he's has a real gift for building tools, and uh, so he he put together this system called EOS and and put it out there. And so we got connected, and uh, he and I became fast friends. Turned out we had a lot of history in common, knew a lot of the same people, had studied a lot of the same uh, business uh, work. And, and really, really hit it off. And so I was at a stage in my career where I'd sort of moved from being the operator and was spending most of my time in an advisory role to people. And so I adopted EOS as a system I would begin to use. You know, we talked about an operating system and what a difference that made for me. You know, in, in one company where I don't have one, it, it fails miserably. In another company where I do have one, I'm able to generate a hundredfold cash on cash return in less than 36 months. So is that a difference? Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Big, big difference in, in my view, right? And, and my, my ride in both cases was completely different too. So one was obviously a much more enjoyable ride. And I felt like I was doing much more of the, uh, you know, living in my sweet spot and doing what, what, what I love to do. So, you know, fast forward and I'm, I'm helping my clients with EOS and helping them to do this with their own businesses and get their businesses to give them what they want. And <clears throat> I had an opportunity with Gina where one of the concepts within EOS is something we call an accountability chart. Accountability chart basically maps out all the things that need to be happening across the business and structures them in a fashion that you can begin to think about who's going to do what 
and and really match up the right people to the right seats on that bus to, to make it go and make it work. And at the top of that chart are two seats that we call the visionary and the integrator. And I want you to think about those two as very distinct leadership roles in any entrepreneurial company. The visionary being the one that's the idea machine. I mean, they're coming up with new ideas, new stuff all the time. They're really playing out there in the future and seeing where things are going, seeing where we should be positioned to best take advantage of it. Uh, but they're kind of running free and wild. And uh, when it comes to executing things and, and making those things happen, uh, inconsistent may be you know, giving them a little bit more credit than even there too. They can do it, uh, but boy, to keep doing it is uh, is a real challenge for them. So enter the integrator, and the integrator is this animal that is really wired to make stuff happen, to, to create things and make them real, uh, to, to manage deadlines, to, you know, to follow through on things and really to, to pull together a team uh, in, in alignment with a, with a common goal, a common mission. And so you put those two together and it's a really powerful thing. And so Gino says, Hey, I think this is really good. I'm getting a lot of play with my clients around this. Are you seeing the same? And absolutely I was. And so he, uh, floated the idea of, you know, maybe we should write a book about this. So that really is the genesis of the book we call rocket fuel. Okay. You know, that's, that, that's absolutely, um, a fantastic book. I've actually got it sitting right here in front of me. We got it uh, a few uh, a few weeks ago, actually a few months ago, and I've I've got it on my list. Uh, Roy, that that introduced the two of us uh, to one yeah. another, uh, said that we really need to do that. So so Roy and I have a lot of things in common, but I'm kind of that that really that that vision guy, casting those things, and he's more the the implementer, uh, as you say, and he's very detail oriented and and goes through that process. So, you know, that's that can be a difficult scenario for someone to go through. So when you've got someone that's a visionary, they're an entrepreneur, they're out there doing it, then you've got that implementer. And, you know, the way I look at it, and I'm sure a lot of other entrepreneurs do, the implementer is always the ones that, that, that are the, hey, here are the rules we've had to follow. Here's the things we got to do not to get in trouble. Here is the structure. And, and that kind of can put a damper on your creativity sometimes. So selecting if you're an entrepreneur and you're that visionary, do, is there anything in the book or, or whether it's traction or rocket fuel that talks a little bit about that if you don't have that person in your organization already? Yeah, absolutely. So so to get the, the terminology, just to, to reinforce, because it's easy to get it uh, mixed up, integrator is the term that we're using integrator. to describe that person. Okay. Implementer is a, is another term that we use to describe somebody that will help you get the, the EOS system uh, basically implemented in your business. So okay, integrator fine. integrator being the role that works hand-in-hand hand with the visionary. So, so yeah, so if we, if we back up just a little bit, so what we try to outline in the book, at a real high level are three things. One, we want to give you the structure to kind of crystallize your thinking on how this can work. So, you know, here's what a visionary is like. Here's what an integrator is like. Here's what it's like when you put the two of them together. Give you some examples of, of how that has worked with folks that we know and, and what it's done. And also some great uh, examples from, you know, really American history. So we, we look back at, you know, the Ford Motor Company, McDonald's, Walt Disney, uh, you know, Standard Oil, even you, you go back to sort of the uh, American industrial classics. And what you find is early on in the development of those companies, you had this kind of a situation. You had this kind of a relationship where the visionary had this integrator complement walking alongside them. So we help you crystallize your thinking about that. And then, as you say, 
Doug, if you if you decide, hey, yeah, I think that could help me. I think as a visionary, I need one of those. Then the next puzzle to solve is how to get you connected. And so we have a process that we outline in the book, uh, you know, we, the seven-step connection process that sort of walks you through that. And the first part of it, really the first four steps of it, are all about looking at yourself, looking at you, understanding you, understanding your business. And, and we describe it as a, as a two-piece puzzle where, you know, the visionary is one of the pieces, the integrator is the other piece. So step one is let's really look at that visionary puzzle piece and figure out what the shape of that edge is where they're gonna join with the integrator. And so we have an assessment uh, to take, we have uh, you know, a tool that we call a wish list where you basically pour out all the different things that you wish somebody uh, would take off your plate and someone would be able to handle and get done for you. Uh, we have something we call the visionary spectrum where you look at the business and basically ask, you know, how much, how much vision, how much visionary does this business really need? And, and it differs from company to company. So this is where you were asking me about different industries before, Doug, and this is where that comes into play. So if I'm in a real high tech industry, so think about the company I was talking to you about that, that you know, implants things in somebody's brain. Right. You know, that's a real complex, fast changing, you know, uh, very complex world. And so the vision that's gonna be required for that kind of a business is different for the company that makes, uh, you know, chalkboard chalk. Right, right, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, let's do this. I'd like to get more into those seven steps of the connection process for that integrator because I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that what they're looking for is how do I find somebody that, I, that can complement the things that I'm doing because you do have to give up a little bit of control. So let's talk about that right after the break. Uh, this is Doug Parker on the Ambitious Radio Network. I've got Mark Winters. And on the show today, and uh, tune in after the break right here on Texas Money and Business, ABC 1168. A great show underway today here on Texas Money and Business. Doug Parker is here with the Ambitious Radio Network and a special guest. Doug, take it away. Thanks, Ron. Yeah, we, we've got Mark Winters here today, and, and we're talking about several different things that relate to entrepreneurs. But right now we're going to talk about the seven-step process, kind of a connection process, when you've got a visionary and they need an integrator to help them kind of organize things. But if you don't have one, how do you select that person? And there's a seven-step process that, that Mark's going to talk to us about. So, Mark, take it away. Let's talk about that. You bet. So you know, we call this the connection process, the seven-step visionary integrator connection process. And step one is to use this thing uh, I, I spoke about briefly in the last segment called the visionary spectrum to figure out how much visionary your company needs. So there's sort of three things that we look at in that. You know, one is your type of industry. So we talked about a couple of extremes examples before, you know, sort of high tech on, on one end and then something that's really more stable and, and, and changing very, very slowly, if at all, on the other end. Uh, the second point we look at is what are the growth aspirations of the leaders of the organization? I mean, is this something that you're really trying to make climb a steep hill or is it something that, you know, you're, you're sort of happy to maintain and just let it, let it be where it is? Uh, and then the third thing is really the degree of change and complexity that you're facing as a company, whether that's competitive, uh, you know, are there a bunch of competitors in your marketplace? Is that really moving? Is there, is there you know, people that are gobbling other people up? Uh, is there a big regu regulatory change going on? 
uh, you know, so what's just the complexity of the landscape? So, you know, between those three factors, you can kind of figure out, hey, we need a, we need a ton of visionary. We need somebody kind of like a Steve Jobs or on the other hand, maybe, you know, something we sort of jokingly say in the book, a Mr. Magoo would do someone who doesn't see as quite as far down the road. Uh, so that's step one is figure out how much you need of the visionary. Second step is to map your own visionary profile. Okay, so if you're the visionary doing this, so Doug, in this case, I'm talking to you, you need to understand how you're wired and what your strengths are and what your, you know, what your shortcomings are. And so there's a number of different profiling to tools that are out there that can help you do this. Uh, you know, we want you to, to, to think about those and think about what might help. There's a company called Culture Index that's very good. Uh, Colby is another one. You know, TTI, DISC, Myers-Briggs, you know, these are all companies that, that do this. And there's no single answer that really helps you figure out the map. Uh, but you can use various ones to kind of help you triangulate in on, on what's real and, 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 and who you really are and how you're wired. Uh, there's also an assessment uh, for the visionary in rocket fuel. So take that assessment. That'll really point out what we see to be, uh, you know, the really strong, important points along the path. Step three, identify your ideal integrator profile. So same thing. So looking at those things in combination with uh, like the wish list tool we talked about before, you really start to see that shape of your puzzle piece. So based on that, where do you need that integrator to be strong? What kind of things do you need them to bring to your pair that would be absent if it was just you alone? Uh, so you sort of get that ideal in mind. And again, you can use some of these other professionals that are out there that can help you uh, understand what that might need to look like and how you would want to communicate to the market to, to find it. But you got to know what you're looking for. Uh, that in combination with a, uh, in the book, we have something, it's basically a simple job description for an integrator. So we've kind of done a lot of the heavy lifting and sort of built that for you, at least at a high level. You can go through and customize it, obviously, but it's a great place to start. And it's pretty comprehensive and based on tons and tons of real world experience with uh, inner visionary pairs that, that work and have had success. So from there, we move to step four, which is what we call the four readiness factors. And again, this is about you and you being ready. Uh, are you ready to actually engage in this kind of relationship with an integrator? And so there's four areas we want you to consider. One is financial. Uh, you know, are you financially ready? Can you afford it? Uh, do you believe you can afford it? And this is a tough one because it's easy to see how much they're going to cost. It's sometimes hard to see how much they're going to benefit you. And so one of the ways we help you get your head around that is if you think about all the issues on your issues list, all the things that are kind of stuck and not yet where you want them to be, Go down that list and kind of, you know, rough out a dollar figure by each one of those things and then go back through that list and put a check mark by each one that the integrator would help you get unstuck and actually get moving. So there's a dollar impact and you kind of add that all up. And usually that's pretty straightforward to see, wow, this thing uh, is going to give me a big ROI. It is going to give you a big, uh, a big boost forward. So that helps you get your head around the financial side. Second thing is is really psychological readiness. And this is being ready to, to let go of stuff. Uh, That's the biggest one right there. I, I, for me, I would say, and probably for a lot of entrepreneurs, letting go. So, so, so tell me this, Doug. When I went into this whole project, one of my big uh, assumptions was that letting go of control was, was a sticking point, just kind of like what you said. What I found in you know, a vast majority of the visionaries that I talked to was that it was actually much more about trust they actually wanted to let go. They wanted to not do this stuff. 
They just had trouble trusting that someone else was going to do it as well as they would. You know, that's a that's a great point because, you know, as an entrepreneur, as I mentioned earlier, it, it's like your baby, you know, and, you know, with, as humans, a lot of times people, when their babies are little, they'd love to get away and go out to on a date or whatever the case is, but they don't trust anybody to keep their little baby because, you know, it's so delicate. And I think we feel that way about our businesses and our financial well-being as an entrepreneur. That's that's your that's your baby too. And and you know again, you want to do the things that are fun. And I say that as as in my position, you want to dream up stuff. You want to find ways to to do something creative and outside the box. You don't want to do spreadsheets and insurance stuff or whatever. But if that stuff gets messed up. Then it could it could crush your whole business. So you it, trust. I think that I think you're absolutely right. I think you do want to let loose of the stuff you don't want to do, but it's finding someone you trust to do it for you. Yep. So so you're you're validating what everybody else told me. So so that's really cool to hear you say that. And I think you know it's your baby. That's that's what you know visionary entrepreneurs feel, and they see it. And when they've they've seen their baby hurt before, uh, when someone didn't take care of it right, you know they're really reluctant to to let that happen again. So the real protective. So building that trust is an important part of you know the, the psychological readiness piece. The, the, the third readiness factor we look at is lifestyle readiness. And a lot of times this comes around some sort of a, uh, a, a life milestone event. So you know somebody you know gets married, has kids, uh, you know emptiness, you know whatever it might be and uh, they they're, they're their lifestyle perspective changes. So they don't want to spend 87 hours a week anymore. Uh, they want to they want to dial that back somehow, or maybe they do still want to spend as much time, but they're just not willing to spend that big chunk of it on the stuff they don't love. Uh, so there's some kind of lifestyle readiness for fewer hours on the stuff they don't love. And then the fourth readiness factor is what we call the unique ability readiness, and that's really are you ready to be 100% you? Are you ready to just really really put a strong focus on uh, on the stuff you are uniquely gifted? to do and probably do better than anybody else and are highly energized by. So if if you're high on those readiness factors, that's a good sign. You're, you're going to be successful moving forward. If if you're low on those, if you're really not ready, you know, be aware, be, be, be aware you're going to probably have false starts if you try to move forward. Okay. So that's step four. Step five is start the search. So, uh, you know, go find your match. And, and there's lots of different ways to do this. We want you to look at your own personal network, really just kind of put the word out. Uh, you can do the you know the traditional search function if you have a, a strong internal uh, HR group that goes and looks for people and finds people for you. You can use that channel. You can use recruiters, and uh, you know we've got you know resource lists on the website with all different kinds of folks that can can help with this. Uh, you know, but it's it's sort of you got to get out there. You got to look. You got to go begin the conversations to to find them, and you're matching them up to. Uh, you know, to this this standard that you've set, this profile that you've set, the shape of a puzzle piece that you're trying to fill. Uh, I'll mention in this step, there's also the concept of something called fractional integrators that has really developed over the last, uh, really the last couple of years since we've been talking about this. And so just like you can get a fractional CFO or a fractional marketing firm, uh, you can also get a fractional integrator that for a smaller company, that can't, uh, you know, get their head around the affordability factor just yet, or maybe they don't have a full-time integrator need, uh, you know, somebody where it's a, really a full role yet just because of the scale of the organization. There are folks that can help you go ahead and get started with uh, with fractional integration, all right? So 
So step six, once we kind of get all those puzzles solved and we get them matched up, is really get them onboarded and, uh, and, and get them engaged. And, you know, key point here is there are some, some milestones along the way. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to look like this at, you know, 90 days. It's going to look like this at six months. Uh, what we see in general is it's probably going to be at least a year before this thing is going to start working like you imagine that it will work. And so you really have to be patient. You have to be patient and let that process play out, use the tools, do the things that we talk about to help uh, make it go faster and, and increase the odds of success. But don't expect that you're just going to flip a switch on day one and it's going to be all done. And then really the, the seventh and final step of the connection process. Let's, let's do this because we're actually up against a hard break here. So let's do this. Let's do seven and uh, right after this break. So tune in. You'll get the seventh and, and final part of that selecting the uh, or connecting that, that process right here on 1160 KNC. Texas Money and Business. Hope you're enjoying Texas Money and Business today. I'm Ron Taylor, and of course, we have Doug Parker with the Ambitious Radio Network underway. Doug? Yes, sir. And if, you know, as you're listening today, if, if you get to a point where you want to tune in and listen to the show, we are doing an iTunes podcast now, so you can sign up for that in case you miss it at, on Wednesdays from 10 to 11 right here on KBCE. But we've got Mark Winters with us here today, and Mark is going to kind of Finish us out on this segment talking about the integrator and the seven steps to that connection process with step seven. And then we're going to go over some of the, my favorite part of the show, some of the favorite things from our guests. So Mark, take it away, sir. Sure. So step seven is really what we call following the visionary integrator relationship cycle. So you can imagine now you're, you're paired up with this, uh, you know, this complementary counterpart and it's just an ongoing cycle where together you plan you know what are we going to do where are we going and, and you really get on the same page about that you execute the plan uh, you check in along the way to make sure that you are still on the same page because guess what you know things don't always play out exactly as we planned them other things come up things change so we got to keep checking in with each other and get on the same page we realign and then we repeat that whole cycle. We plan again, we execute, we get back on the same page, realign. And so that wheel just sort of goes on and on forever and ever. So that's step seven. Very good. Very good. So let's talk about some of, of your favorite things. Um, I know you've got a, you know, a couple of books that you've written, and I can understand why those would be some of your favorites. And I know Traction is one that's top on your list. But, but sure. other than those two, what's, what's one of your favorite books that over the years that you've, uh, that you've read? Well, I'll tell you, there's actually a fairly recent one that I've read that I really like, and it's called The Obstacle is the Way. Okay. It's by a fellow named Ryan Holiday. And uh, it's just a really, really uh, wonderful explanation of how a lot of times the thing that, that makes you feel stuck is really, that's where the answer is. And uh, it just helps you through a process of looking at that and thinking about that and using that as the trigger, as the inspiration to help you figure out you know, the path that you really need to take. Okay. That, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And it's very consistent and reinforces sounds like some of the, some of the things that you've written about in the past. Now, uh, mentoring, when it comes to mentoring, do you have anyone that's pouring into you right now? Or is there a CEO, someone that you're following? Uh, absolutely. The, the, the person who I would consider my coach is a guy named Dan Sullivan, who is the founder of a program called strategic coach. 
and and Dan has really shaped my thinking. I've worked for, with him for for a long time. I've been involved in that program for for many many years, and actually had a chance to spend almost a full week with Dan last week uh, around a couple of different events. And you know, particularly this concept of entrepreneurial freedom. Uh, you know, Dan talks about four types of entrepreneurial freedom: freedom of time. Uh, you know, the ability to spend your time in the way that uh, that you most see fit. Freedom of money. Uh, you know, where money is no longer a constraint, it's no longer a barrier to your ability to do the things that you want to do. Freedom of relationships, which is all about being able to spend your time with the folks you want to spend your time with, not the folks you have to spend your time with. And then freedom of purpose, which is the freedom to go out there and make that difference in the world that you were meant to make, that only you can make. And that just resonates so strongly with me. And uh, I mean, that's what I'm all about. I'm all about helping an entrepreneur get to that place to get to that real freedom they were trying to grab for when they started this business in the first place. And uh, so that's that's what drives me. Very good. Very good. So this one may sound like a random question, but but how much sleep do you get at night? <laughs> I, I, seven and a half. Seven and a half. Okay, very on, good. On, on average, seven and a half. I've got a one of the new Fitbit things that kind of tracks that for me, and so yeah, you know, I'd like to get eight, uh, and sometimes I get a little more, but I'd say on average, seven and a half is pretty close. Okay, very good, very good. And then, if you could go back ten years ago and tell yourself something, what would be the one thing you'd tell yourself? Oh man, that's a great question. Uh, I, I would tell myself, you're going to live to be 150 years old. Okay. All right. Now that's, that's interesting. So now, now, now think about that, Doug. If I tell you that now mm -hmm. confidently you're going to live to be 150 years old, how does that change the decisions that you're making today? Yeah, I think, I think that has, I, I think that has a pretty uh, large implication and uh, how you would do stuff. So would, would you work as many hours? Would you, you know, with family and other things, put those on the sideline, what so many entrepreneurs do, uh, you know, would you, would yeah. you save differently? I mean, there's all kinds yeah. of implications. How, how would you take care of your money? It's got to last you. How would you take care of your body? It's got to last you. Yeah, that's uh, that's that gives you a lot of stuff to think about. So, I guess the moral of that story is uh, maybe you're not going to live that long, but still, you gotta you gotta go back and look at that thing and seriously think about it, huh? Or maybe you will live that long. Well, hey, you know, who knows with uh, today's technology hey. and advances in medicine? Yeah, I'm seeing some things that, that I mean, I don't say that just kind of out of left field. There's there's some stuff coming that uh, I think will blow you away. Well, I wouldn't mind being 150 years old as long as I still looked and felt like I was about 35. They say there's three things you got to watch for. Your cognitive ability, your mobility, ability to move around, and then your, your aesthetics. So you don't want to look like a, a bag of trash. Right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, so the, the last question I kind of had on here was advice for entrepreneurs. But I know you've got five rules and five tools, so that kind of ties nicely into that. You want to talk about that? Yeah, so just real quick, the, the five rules and the five tools are all about this, this rocket fuel relationship, this visionary integrator relationship. So these are the things that you take these two different kinds of folks and put them together and, and make them really strong as a combination. So the five rules are, number one, you got to stay on the same page. And we have a, a specific tool called the same page meeting to help you do that. Number two, no end runs. So the visionary can't go around the integrator and go tamper in the organization. They got to let the integrator do that and trust them and work directly through them to make things happen. Number three, the integrator is the tiebreaker. So you got to sit back as the visionary, let the integrator break the ties between the other folks on the leadership team and make this thing work, keep it aligned. Uh, number four, you got to remember you're an employee when working in the business. This is a big one for owners 
of the business that are also the visionary or maybe sitting in some other seat on the bus. They tend to go in and, you know, yeah, they might be playing head of sales, but they'll throw that owner card down and kind of change the rules on everybody. And that really blows integrity across the system. So you got to remember when you're playing as an employee, you're wearing that employee hat and you've really got to set the example and behave just as you would want anybody else to behave that you had sitting in that seat for you. And number five of the five rules is to maintain mutual respect. Uh, the visionary can't treat that integrator as something less than. It's a partnership. It's like a business marriage. So you want to treat them with that same level of respect as you would really a spouse. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes that makes perfect sense. Now, you know, it's it's one thing in theory. It's a whole nother thing in actual implementation and, and making it happen. So I could see, you know, how, uh, you know, an owner, you know, working in a sales role would throw down the owner card and say, well, you know, I get it. but This is how we're going to do it. So I think it takes a lot of time preparation. It sounds like the book that you've written really gives entrepreneurs really a, a way to make those things happen. And again, it's not something that they're going to go implement in 10 days. It's a process over several uh, weeks, months, and, and ultimately a year or so to get that in, in place. So that's fantastic. Now, let's let's say, Mark, we didn't talk a little bit about what you do or a lot about what you do, I should say, on the EOS and really the training that you do. But if someone would like to get more information or get in contact with you, how would they do that? So a couple of ways. Number one, I'd uh, love for them to go to rocketfuelnow.com. And that's really the site we've got set up around uh, around around Rocket Fuel. Uh, on that site, they can take the assessments we talked about, so the visionary and integrator assessments. They can sign up to get our latest thinking, our Rocket Fuel Insights. I actually put out a weekly video uh, where I, I dive a little bit deeper into uh, you know into one of the questions or one of the topics that we're getting a lot of interest around, just a little three-minute video, so kind of short and sweet. Uh, you know, move through. There's a group that they can get into in there called the Rocket Fuel Book Owners Group where there's a lot of people talking uh, about about these things. I interact with that group so they can they can get some access to me in there. Uh, they can also contact me directly through that website or, you know, hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, those are those are fine ways to get get to me as well. You know, it's kind of funny uh, during the, the show here today, um, I, I, con I connected with Gino Wickman the other day through through LinkedIn and I, he just accepted the deal. So it's kind of funny to see that pop up as as we were talking. So anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, thanks so much for, for joining us on the show today. I think it is great information that you've discussed. And, you know, listeners out there, we're going to put everything that we've discussed, you know, as far as the books and such on the website, ambitiousradio.com. And I highly encourage you. We well, I've been through uh, a couple of these books being Traction and, and then another recommendation that Mark had given us a while back was Get a Grip, which is kind of a, a fictional story of someone that actually did the, uh, the, the Traction model and then Rocket Fuel. So we'll put the links on the site so you guys, if you didn't write them down, you can go back and get them. Thanks again so much for being on the show today. We also want to thank our sponsors. Ambitious Radio could not do it without freeelectricitydfw.com, all3reports.com, that's all the number three reports with an S.com, and repairmycreditnow.com. Tune in Wednesdays for Texas Money and Business from 10 to 11 Central, right here on 1160 KBCE and ambitiousradio.com. Next week, we'll be visiting with John Christopher Davis. He's a multi-published Texas singer and songwriter and Americana artist. Remember, you can make money or you can make excuses, but you cannot make both. Go out there and be ambitious.
Thank you for listening to Texas Money and Business on 1160 AM KVCE. Tune in weekdays at 10 a.m. to hear more leading experts giving you all the information you need to know on Texas money and business.